Now, good morning, everyone. Good morning. And it's so morning. I notice everybody is sitting at the back where the breeze is. <laughs> but uh, it's always an honour to be able to share God's word. And it's a terrifying honour for me, as you know, but it's an honour. And uh, when I gave God my usual petition asking for help with anxiety, he gently reminded me that if he could use a donkey to speak his word to Balaam, then there might be some hope for me. <laughs> He has a good sense of humor. So, let's pray before we start. Lord, thank you that we can be together this morning to hear your word. We ask that in this short time together, you'd help us to focus on what you have to say and help our minds not to be distracted as we open up your word together. Amen. So, this morning we are reading Matthew 8, 1-4. So this morning, Evelyn's reading, is she? Evelyn? Thanks, Evelyn. Morning, everybody. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So I was really drawn to this passage. Um, There's a lot of truly amazing things going on in this passage. Um, the, the well-known preacher Charles Spurgeon once gave a preach where he pointed out the similarities between leprosy and sin. And it's a powerful picture that can be helpful as we dig deeper into this passage. And as we reflect on our own sin and the consequences that would have been ours if not for Jesus. A quick look at leprosy. Gone too far? Sorry, there, but backwards. Yeah, quick look at leprosy. There are a lot of truly amazing. Um, sorry, lost my place. A quick look at leprosy tells us that it was and still is a contagious disease. Like sin, it can spread and harm others. Most of the online pictures um, were too graphic to put up, which in itself should give you some idea of the harsh reality that sufferers endure. It causes permanent nerve damage and loss of feeling. And when you can't feel your fingers or toes, you may accidentally burn yourself or cut yourself. And as a result, um, muscle weakness, infections, deformities of face and limbs, and the loss of fingers and toes are likely. In the same sense, sin, once it has made a home in our hearts and lives beneath the surface, it makes us numb to the damage that we're doing and to pain, numb to the pain that we're causing. In the end, damage to the eyes is common, eventually leading to glaucoma and blindness and ultimately kidney failure and death. And sin, like leprosy, will isolate and separate us from God's presence, blinding us and leading us to the grave. So, in a sense, leprosy, particularly in this Jewish community, was almost like a visible picture of sin. Now, those were Spurgeon's observations, but they were definitely worth a mention. Now, back to this man with leprosy. Um, We know a bit about this man. We know he was Jewish, and we know this because afterwards Jesus told him to offer the gift that Moses commanded. So, we know he had to obey the biblical commands in Leviticus regarding anyone infected with leprosy. 
So they are, now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn, and his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean, he shall be unclean. All the days he has the sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean, and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So the emphasis now is on being outside, outside the camp, outside of society, and he would remain unclean for the rest of his days. And if not for Jesus' sacrifice on the cross to pay for our sins, um, we too would have been cut off from God's presence, cut off from home forever. So this man, if he had a family, there was no way on earth he could go back to home. Um, he'd never sit again with his brothers and his sisters and his family. He'd never be able to eat at his table. Um, he'd never embrace his wife or hug his kids again. He wouldn't be there to see them grow up or to protect them or to teach them. Uh, maybe he shouted that he loved them even as his sight failed and their faces became a memory. Living outside town, away from his own people, work may have been impossible. So he may have had to rely on gifts of food. Being declared unclean meant he could never approach God in the temple again. His place in society would never be restored. And there was no way back. This separation may indeed have seemed like a living death. One that would end only with his last breath. And that should have been the end of the story. But then like all of us here who were saved, he met God. And he trusted in Jesus and everything changed. And for him it was the miracle of salvation. Or for him it was the miracle of healing, but for us it was the miracle of salvation. And what may have felt like the end of his life instead became the beginning of a new one. So... When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. Jesus regularly took time aside from the crowds to pray and spend time with his father. It wasn't optional for him. It was essential. I'm learning more and more that it's not optional for us either. It's so easy to be lost in the doing of things, and life always seems to demand that. Um, But if our days are so busy that it takes us away from our primary purpose of relationship with God, then our days are wasted. Even Jesus had to make that time happen. And though the need of the many was great, Jesus himself still had to do it. So how much more do we need to do it um, just to anchor our life? Verse 2. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Or in Luke 5.12 it says, While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Covered with leprosy. This man knew he was on borrowed time. He was in no doubt. His life on earth was nearly over. And under normal circumstances, that might have explained his boldness at entering a town and walking into a large crowd, which probably parted like the Red Sea before him. It was no small risk either, as crowds have a way of becoming mobs when angered. Uh, And kneeling before Jesus, he recognized his need for a saviour, and he uttered words that would go down in history. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, I read this line, and I reread it, and I still don't know how he got this absolutely amazing level of faith. Because bear in mind that before this man, no lepers were being mentioned as being healed in the Bible. Um, maybe he'd never given up on God through all his suffering, even when it looked like the end. I mean, we can't know where he got his faith. But what we do know is that he knelt before the Lord and said in deep faith, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, you can make me clean. His petition hinged on only one thing. If you are willing, 
He was not saying, if you were able, Jesus. He was saying, if you were willing. He knew that Jesus could heal him. And Jesus healed him and made him clean. So verse 3, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. That was incredible faith in Jesus from this man. But what was just as amazing was the day we trusted in Jesus. And the day we were saved. That day we too came to God on our knees, acknowledging that we were dead in our sins. And that he was our only hope. Some of us were at what looked like the end for us. And Jesus forgave us and made us clean. He took away our sins forever. Both this passage and our own lives point to who Jesus really is. This man met Jesus and was healed and changed instantly. For some of us, that change after meeting Jesus was immediate and it was profound. Uh, For many, it was much slower, but the results are the same. A life miraculously changed by God. We came to Jesus in our sin, realizing he was our only hope to be saved. And he accepted us and changed us forever. Verse 4. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. In Mark's Gospel, Jesus' command not to tell anyone didn't stop the man from telling everyone. In fact, it did the opposite. But we can definitely understand his joy and excitement, and why he couldn't keep quiet. It'll be hard. So Jesus told him to go to the priest to offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony. The priests were the ones who would examine him and declare him clean, so that he could rejoin Jewish society and go home to his family. Again, this miracle pointed to who Jesus was. And I had to wonder where the priest is quick to recognize God's hand in this. Um, and so this man could return to those he loved. Can you imagine the celebration and joy and thankfulness in his heart that day? As God restored all that he lost. And how much more do we need to celebrate and remember what's been done for us? And we will in a few minutes as we take communion together. Now, it's no surprise that we long for and seek connection. Uh, We were designed to love and be loved by a God who is himself pure love. And as I was thinking over this passage and the application of it to our lives, I really felt for the man with leprosy. Knowing the isolation and suffering he had to go through, um, and that feeling of being on the outside looking in, that's not just for people that suffered from leprosy back in Jesus' day. It's a feeling that still eats away at us from inside the human heart today. And it's one that we all know. Ever been surrounded by people and somehow felt more on your own than you've ever been? Like you just can't connect to those around you? Like you're somehow broken and alone? Uh, Maybe you think it's just you? Ever been shunned or bullied or felt rejected? For many of us, a lifetime of being on the receiving end of rejection and exclusion reinforced the fact that we were somehow different that we were somehow broken, unlovable, until it became our painful truth, woven into who we are. Um, It was proof to us that we were outcasts. And that separation, it really does feel like a living death. Seven billion people on the planet, and we feel alone and separated. That really says something powerful and tragic. Um, Why? Why are we like this? What we're feeling and experiencing is the consequence of sin in the world. It's profound effect on our lives and our relationships with each other 
and above all our relationship with God. It's not the way God intended it to be. We were made for true loving relationships with him and with each other. And if we could see into each other's hearts, we'd realize that we're not alone in feeling alone. As weird as it sounds, we're all united in feeling separated. We share that. Thankfully, it's something God can really help us with. Because in him we find hope and healing for broken lives and relationships. Because he is the answer. God can do that. Our God, he's always been the God of the outcast. Jesus was always one who walked with those on the fringe of society, healing hurts that only God can heal. His chosen are the lowly and the weak, the rejected and the broken. He chooses the depressed and the struggling, the sinner, the lost. He chooses us to show that it's his power and not ours. People that are not familiar with the Bible, they think it's full of good people that God picks because they're really good people and they somehow have it all together. It might surprise them to know that God chooses outcasts to make up his great men and women of faith in the Bible. Um, cheaters, murderers, cowards, prostitutes, drunks, fishermen, shepherds, tax collectors. The despised, the rejected, lowly people. God's chosen people. But as Christians, this shouldn't surprise us. This is our God. This is what he does. And he has chosen us. 1 Corinthians 1.27 But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. No one will be in any doubt whatsoever that it's all God. Now, before I finish... And I know I've gotten through it pretty quick. <laughs> I don't know if any of you have the gift to heal those with leprosy. It's a good gift if you do. But for those of us who don't, the power given to us is to reach out to the people around us. To reach out to all who feel like outcasts. To the lost, the hurting, the fearful and alone. And to accept and truly love them with a love that comes from God. There's a whole world of people that are suffering the effects of sin and being cut off from God and each other, outcasts that need the good news of the gospel. The news that those who genuinely trust in Jesus for salvation will be saved. And they need love and family. And that's our mission. Even though Jesus saw into us and he, he knows the extent of our sin and how evil we are, he loved, and died, he loved us and died to save us anyway. In doing so, he showed us the way how to love others. John thirteen thirty four. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. The love Jesus talks about is, it's not a warm, fuzzy feeling of benevolence towards others. That's something you get after Christmas dinner, or after too much wine at a New Year's Eve party. This love is a choice. A measured love that takes action. A costly love. Um, it requires our time, our patience, our resources and our willingness. It requires our whole lives. It's the choice to love those who hate us as well as love the ones society has rejected. Uh, flawed though we are as people, Jesus has made us to be a light in the dark. We're a signpost to those around us, always pointing to Jesus. We're the touch of acceptance, the hug, the handshake, the word of encouragement. We're the text, the call, the invite, 
the act of kindness and inclusion. So, as I finish, I just want to leave on one thing. Um, and that's, let's use this God-given power in every way that we can. And love as Jesus loved us. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, as we head into another week, um, we ask that you'll open our eyes to the needs all around us and give us the strength and love to meet them. Help us to embrace the outcasts, the hurting and the lost, the ones who feel on the outside, the ones who suffer inside. Help us to bring our own brokenness and hurt to you and to share it with each other. You do marvelous things, Lord, and we thank you that in you we truly find acceptance and a place called home. Amen.